0: All marketers are liars, by Seth Godin. One sentence summary. All marketers are liars is based on the idea that we believe whatever we want to believe and that it's exactly this trait of ours which marketers use and sometimes abuse to sell their products by infusing them with good stories, whether they're true or not. My favorite quote from the author is We drink the can, not the beverage. Seth Godin. This will round out the five pack of Seth Godin books I managed to find on Blinkist. After completely inhaling the dip last week and starting to change my entire life after it, All Marketers Are Liars was one of the next must-reads for me. Speaking with the same breath that brought Gary Vaynerchuk's Jab 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 Right Hook to life, this book's all about storytelling. More so, it distinguishes between good stories, which are just that, good stories, and those that are authentic. Seth is obviously a fan of the latter, and here are three reasons why you should too. 1. Marketing is about telling stories that people want to believe in. 2. It's important that we want to believe in a story because of the way our brains work. 3. While FIPS can make a story better, you should never cross the line to fraud. Want to tell an authentic story in a fuzzy world? Here we go. All marketers are liars. Lesson 1. Successful marketers tell stories people want to believe in. This answers the question what is one of the key traits of successful marketers? George Riedel has been telling a powerful story about wine glasses for ages. His company has been in the business of glass blowing for over four centuries. Leading the family business in the 10th generation, Riedel introduced a special series of wine glasses, where different glasses are meant to bring out the best qualities of different sorts of wine. He says that every wine tells its own unique story, and the glass is the interpreter, which translates the message for the person who drinks from it. Scientific tests have later proven that there's no difference between his glasses and others. But still, wine experts and connoisseurs from all over the world swear that wine tastes better from a Riedel glass. That's the power of storytelling. It goes to the point where it changes the customer experience just because of what people believe. We live in a world where people buy what they want, not what they necessarily need. Most of us have bought a designer piece of clothing, sportswear, device, or even food from a certain brand, not because of the quality, which is something we keep telling ourselves, but because of the way it reflects our beliefs and view of the world. All marketers are liars, lesson two. You have to want to believe in a story, because that's how your brain works. This answers the question, how do stories arrive in the human brain? The reason you think a pair of Nikes is high quality and justifies a steep $100 price tag, in addition to making you look cool, when they really just cost $5 to manufacture, by the way, a good song about this macamore Wings tells a great story about those kinds of shoes, um, The reason for that is the way your brain reacts to new information. Like a frog can spot a moving fly by ignoring all static parts of his environment, our brains never compare new things to old things by considering all features. You don't check whether your new iPhone can do the same things the old one could do. That's a given. You only look for the features that are new, like the better camera, lighter weight or new exterior design. For each new feature you discover, your brain instantly starts to make up information that justifies it and leaps onto every bit of reasonable evidence it can find. That's because our brains don't like chaos and randomness. They thrive on logic. Have you ever thought your iPod is really smart because it seems to play the same few songs you like over and over again, even when it's set to shuffle? Well it's not, but a random order of songs does never guarantee an even distribution of the songs. Stories help us make sense of the world, so whatever we want to believe in, we end up doing so, because our brains start to support our beliefs, and not the other way around. All marketers are liars, lesson 3. FIPS can improve the customer experience, while fraud always hurts your authenticity. This answers the question, where is the line between telling a good story and telling a lie? According to Seth, there is a difference between FIPS and frauds. A fib is when you tell your spouse you had a late meeting when really you were out shopping for their birthday present. It's an honest lie because you tell it to improve their birthday experience, not with mean intent. Even though we'd love to believe it, it's become impossible to never buy a product that's overpriced, because marketers have long caught on to the value of a good story. But actually, that's okay. Because these little fibs, like in Riedel's story about the wine glasses, can actually make our experience better. If you believe those Nikes to be the best, most comfortable shoes you've ever worn, well guess what, they become just that. FIPS are okay to use on occasion, as long as they genuinely improve the experience. Frauds, however, are a whole other topic. For example, when VW lied about the amounts of CO2 their cars emitted, key people, including the CEO Martin Winterkorn, lost their positions. Their stock went down the tubes and they had to recall 500,000 cars. Consumers always catch fraud. It's just a matter of time. Instead, target the right people with an honest message from the get-go and build a long-lasting relationship instead. The short-term benefits never outweigh the long-term value of a true connection. My personal takeaways from all marketers are liars for 2017. Okay, one of the first things and most fun things you can do with any Seth Godin book, by the way, is because they're so full of examples, and these examples are always a snapshot of the year Seth published the book in, right? Or the past, uh, because he takes examples from there. Um, Is to look for newer examples for those instances uh, that Seth describes, right? So the VW example that happened only in 2016. CO two fraud. Uh, so I came up with that while I was writing the summary. So that's not only super helpful um, to understand the topics; it's also a really fun exercise. But that's how you can uh, that's how you see when you can find an example and see that hmm, that's exactly like that. Then you've really understood the concept behind the lesson. By the way, it's a great rule in general. Um, come up with your own example don't take over examples that are given to you right so the examples you take that are given to you for example in school they're not very useful um, they don't help you memorize they, they might help you memorize something but they don't help you understand but every time you say hmm, for example and you leave a blank and you force yourself to come up with something that's a really good exercise um so what am i taking away from this and especially let me think about it in the context of 2017 maybe how i would tell stories differently so first of all telling about telling stories people want to believe in there is evidence scientifically that if people are presented with an argument and a strong cause for that argument or a strong story around that and they tend to believe that argument then presenting people with this proof of the argument or counterfactual information actually makes that belief stronger. So it's like when a news outlet publishes something like Britney Spears is pregnant, right? And there's like a story how like she tried to hide it for a reason and blah, blah, blah. So there's a story around it, right? It goes viral, huge spike. Um, everybody goes crazy. Oh, Britney Spears is pregnant. And then the next day, it comes out like it was wrong. So right, nothing, nothing happened. So they had to, they had to um, admit, no, it was made up, false source, blah blah blah. Always, what happens is that the con- the update never gets as much traffic as the original information because it's not as, uh, it's not as as hype, right? So that happens. So less people know the real situation. And the second thing that happens, the people that read the update. Only believe in that in the false information more, right? Because they say like, hmm, like really, like is that true? Like that sounded pretty convincing. The other thing. So for some reason, our minds are very twisted. They make us believe something more when we hear disproving evidence of it. Once we've decided to believe in it. So human belief is incredibly powerful and incredibly hard to overcome, right? Which is why being a writer is a super hard job because you have to get people to change their beliefs. So, and even if it's just for something mundane, like changing a, 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 quitting a bad habit, for example, right? Behavior change. If you don't change what people believe, you will never change their behavior, not in the long run, at least. So that's a very interesting fact to keep in mind. Um, once you have convinced people, it's very powerful and it's very hard to change it back. So don't worry if whatever attempts you're using first to tell stories um, Don't worry if those don't go wrong or those aren't fruitful or only a very little percentage of people actually starts believing in you. Focus on those and try to tell more stories for those people um, instead of worrying about the 99% that don't believe what you have to offer. Then having to believe, having to want to believe in a story. Well, that's exactly the thing we talked about just now. Like right? our brain takes something. Uh, okay, I want to believe in this, and then the brain just rationalizes together the information, right? And as you saw in the Nike example, sometimes that can be helpful because it makes the experience better. Because so much there's so much psychology in how you feel and and what you think of certain products. That sometimes these yeah these little fibs like they make it slightly. They make your experience slightly better because your belief gets stronger and then you are more invested in the product. Uh, And I think that especially helps for products that require a lot of use to be useful. So maybe something like like social media, Facebook or games, uh, I would really keep this in mind um, because if you can get people invested in this, like uh, the most successful games, Zelda, Final Fantasy, the most successful game series, they all have a great story. And I think that's because when people, once people have decided to buy into the story of the game, they are invested in the story all the way. Right. And that's when people buy like the 12th installment of a game series. So, especially if you have follow-up products, uh, so like products that are serial in nature um, or stories that, uh, or products that um, rely on repeated use to be useful. Um, what else? Maybe products that you need to craft a habit around. Maybe st- stuff like a, um, even like a shaver for something. Uh, even like a like a razor for shaving. Uh, or if you own a swimming pool or a gym. Right, So these products they only get to their full usability when people use them often and the more often cu- customers have to use a product, uh, the more important it is for you to tell a good story right Right now I don't have such a product where I need to also, where I need to get people to come back over and over again. So I can't think of a good good way probably I would do this right now. Um, what I do have is a blog I want people to come back to and with the summaries so, What I'm trying to do is, with each summary or each article, convince you a little more to sort of that we share the same belief set, right? Hopefully, which we do, the same values. Uh, And the more and the more you think you, your and my view of the world is congruent, the more likely you are to come back and read more of my stuff. Um, Interesting. Just realized that talking a lot. Okay, last one. Uh, Fips can improve the customer experience. Yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, I might sort of shrink the timeline of a story I'm telling right from like six months to three uh, or something like this. Like a very small tweak to make the argument in a blog post more compelling or to make the story flow more neatly so that the message from the story gets carried right into the uh, person's belief system. Because the truth is reality is often messy. So as a writer, or if you tell a story, sometimes you have to clean it up a little bit in order to get to people. Because if you told the super messy truth, people would be so confused that they wouldn't even understand the core message of the story. But then again, that's only some cases, obviously not all of them, and you should never turn to downright fraud or lying. Lying um, Lying is very exhausting too. I think it was Mark Twain who said, the benefit of being honest is I don't have to remember what I say. And I'm very much in line with that I think it's true. If you just tell the truth, you know you can always tell the truth, and you don't have to worry about what you said to whom or who you told which lie. And keeping up that construct is so so strenuous and stressful. Um, it's not something I recommend. Uh, and in marketing, you can just say we're a beginner, we're new, we're honest, uh, we we just started, but we believe in our mission, we believe in our product. That's much easier much more authentic and it resonates much more with people than trying to pretend you're like the best new sneaker in the world right which is really tough to pull off if you consider companies like nike being around for decades already no one's gonna buy into that so i guess the message is be honest in your marketing tell cool stories don't make up too much stuff connect with people um, who share your beliefs who share your values and that is probably one of the most sustainable kinds of marketing. See you on the next summary.